The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm speaking tonight on a subject, a day like none other. Joshua chapter 10, then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, verse 13, and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. I love that. It was, is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there had, has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Amen. Amen. Everybody say a day, a day. like none, like none. Ever. ever. You may be seated. I'm going to teach the gospel to you tonight. <clears throat> I have what I call the ultimate daylight savings time message tonight. Psalms 46 and 10 said, be still and know that I am God. Isn't it great to get quiet and just sit there in a pensive state and just hear God speaking to you and he tells you, I'm your God, you're my child. America, folks, is in a hurry. We walk fast, we drive faster, we talk fast, we eat fast. And after we eat, we stand up and say, excuse me, I have to run. Sorry, I can't help you with the dishes. I got to go. Someone said we're the only country that has a mountain named Rushmore. <laughs> People are so obsessed with schedules that some are sitting here tonight and wondering what we will do at work tomorrow. And you're already working on it on your phone. I wish I could ask you tonight to kind of just put your phone on chill you have a C-H-I-L-L button, just chill it. I have something to talk to you about tonight. Or what we're going to order in the restaurant after church tonight. We have a hard time shutting off our brains at night, and so we, we, uh, we take medicine to sleep because we have a hard time shutting it off. It's so easy to be oriented and to be time-oriented instead of God-oriented. Native Americans beat us when it comes to overcoming the the trappings of time. The American time is quantitative. We need a lot of it. We need a lot of quantity of time. The Native American has a qualitative time. It's quality. An older Native man was asked if he had lived on a reservation all of his life. His answer, no, not yet. <laughs> but I'll get there. There's a man in the Bible that asked for time to stop one day, and Joshua asked the son to stand still. And what a statement, what a word. When one makes a remark of that consequence, it, it entails so much. The Bible states, and I quote, there was no day like that before it or after it. Never. Joshua had made a peace treaty with the Gibeonites in the city of Gibeon. And they became a threatened people because they had made peace with these newcomers into the land of Canaan. So Joshua came all the way from Gilgal, where he was, up to Gibeon. Under the cover of darkness. Now you got you to catch this now. It was, it was a dark night. In the distance of about 25 miles. From Gilgal to Gibeon. 
and the ascent of about 4,000 feet uphill, and there was no opportunity all night to rest. It was like going from here to perhaps Georgetown all night long on foot. And Joshua was preparing to fight five kings of the Amorites. The Amorites mean the tall ones. Everybody say tall ones. There's a lot of tall things that want to take down the children of God. There's a lot of big things in life. Sahan and Og were leaders. They were king. They were big giant men. In fact, Og had a bed. The only thing that was ever talked about his life was what size bed he slept in. That's right. 13 feet by 9 feet. He was massive. They had clashed with Israel before. And now five kings were coming against Joshua and the people of Israel. And these five kings were all from the south. And these kings were angry at the Gibeonites for making a league and a treaty with Joshua. Stay with me. Five kings were coming to attack the Gibeonites because of their allegiance to the people of Israel that they didn't want in their country. They wanted to take out a lesser foe, the Gibeonites, to dissuade the Israelites from even wanting to fight them. And one can read of God fighting for right, for, for right in the Bible many times. In fact, in Judges, the Bible says the stars fought against Sisera and Jabin to help the battle of the people of God. When God's people need the victory, God let the stars align and let them fight against the people of the world. Now here Joshua and the people need the victory, not just against one king, but five. Amorites all. I'm going to name them to you. I don't know if I get it right, but if I don't, I'll just put their initials out there for you. One was named Adonai Zedak, Adonai Zedak. He was the king of Jerusalem. Another was named Hoham. Whatever mother named a child Hoham. <laughs> Who in God's name would name a kid Hoham? He was a king of Hebron. And then there was Piram. Those mothers were sisters and they named their kids Hoham and Piram. He was a king of Jarmuth. Then there was Japhia the king of Lachish, and then there was Deber, D-E-B-I-R, the king of Eglon. And these all were kings that were coming to fight, but God fought for Israel. In fact, when Israel started winning the war and the battle, they, these men started running, and God sent hailstones. This is in your Bible in Joshua chapter 10. It was so massive that more died from the hailstones than from the swords of the Israelites. All the way to Beth Horon, then Joshua asked a big thing. Here it is. The biggest request ever asked in the Bible. He, deciding that Israel needed more light, asked for the sun to stand still. He asked for the universe literally to stop. All the stars to quit rotating. All the galaxies to stop spinning. All the planets to just quit. That's what he asked for. And be motionless. So that God's people could completely win a battle against the tall ones. The Amorites. I put in my notes a word that I never used in our house. That was a stupid request, Joshua. We never use that word in our house. But that was one of the dumbest requests. What a dumb statement. Yet God complied. Wow. And caused a son that never moves anyhow. You guys been hearing about these NBA players that are saying the world is and earth is flat? They ought to put them out of the league and take them off TV. My Lord. 
The earth is flat. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. <laughs> it's Wednesday night. I wouldn't say that on Sunday. But the Bible said that God caused the never moving sun to stand still for about a day. And Joshua asked for another day. He fought a two-day battle to win this war. In fact, the whole chapter 10 of Joshua is about this battle. And it looked like after he defeated the five kings that it would be all right. It'd be over. But there are some people, can I just say it? Can I say it? There's some people that just don't want to stop until it's finished. There's some people that don't want this thing to come back next week. They don't want this problem to show up its head next year. If I'm going to take this thing, if I'm going to win this war, I'm going to win it completely. I'm not going to stand here and say, well, did I finish that? Did I finish that? I'm going to finish what God has told me he would help me finish. And so Joshua said, Lord, we need a little help to finish. At a request of a man, God stopped the universe for about a day. Now, this passage has brought much scientific ridicule upon the Bible because science has proven that the earth rotates around the sun and not vice versa. However, this is a language of observation. We all speak of sunrises and sunsets. We do not use technical terms of the earth spinning on its axis. However, ancient history, you're going to love this, supports this claim. The Chinese, the Babylonians, the Incas, the Aztecs, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, and nearly every other ancient culture record a day longer than any other that occurred about this time. The calendar supports it. Ancient Chaldean system built around lunar and solar eclipses says that one can count forward and find the day was Tuesday, July the 22nd. (laughs) However, if we count backward using our system of reckoning days, we find the event took place on Wednesday, July the 22nd. Is that a problem? No, not in the least, because there is a verse in the Bible that tells you where that day went. Some will counter that it'll violate the laws of nature. Let me remind you, folks, there are not laws of nature, but laws of God that he put in nature. And when God gets ready to change a law of nature, God just says, stop, go. The Bible says he holds the wind in his fist and the sea in the palm of his hand. Don't you think that God can say, son, just kind of hang on just a minute. We got a lad down here that's going to win this war and we're going to stay, we're going to stay lit for him until he says, it's all right now, the sun can go down. I love a God like that that I can put my trust in. I love a God that is so close to my mention of my needs in my life that he'll stop the whole universe and say, you got a problem? I'm the God that can help you with the problem. Clap your hands real big and understand that God is with us. God governs nature at his desire. It's a proven fact. A day was lost, time stood still, and Israel won a battle. All the cities that the kings represented that day were conquered. The five kings were captured in a cave. I'm fixed to preach now. I'm just setting a stage for you. And taken out and hanged. Joshua got a 48-hour day to complete the battle. Did you hear me? A 48-hour day to complete the battle. Joshua 10 is a bad two days for five kings that wanted to wreck God's kingdom. So my question, where had Joshua received that kind of faith? He was mentored by Moses. He had seen the Red Sea parted by the rod in the hand of the man of God, Moses. 
He had seen a rock produce water, clothes not wear out, shoes that wore like iron. Manna came down from heaven every day. A cloud by day covered them to keep them cool and a pillar of fire by night in that desert to keep them warm. He had watched his fearless leader fight a battle against the Amalekites. And when Moses got tired, he had seen Aaron and Hur come and hold up the arms of Moses until the battle was won. Then when Moses died and the leadership was given to him, he had a visitation from the Lord that told him that Jericho was his. And then he had seen the priest's feet touch the Jordan River and the waters part all the way up to the city of Adam, 17 miles upstream, and the victory at Jericho, the destruction of Ai, the fear gripped the hearts of the enemy. But now this day, this day, all the tall ones were combined to take the people of God out. Here's where I want to preach a little bit, if you'll let me. Not long, but just a little bit. Everybody say Jerusalem. Jerusalem Jerusalem means peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. Salam. Peace. Peace. Everybody say Hebron. Hebron. Write it down. It means community. Say community. Community. Everybody say Jarmuth. Jarmuth. It means elevation. Everybody say Lachish. It means comfort. Everybody say Eglon. Means strength. Can I declare it to you? Israel had never been faced with that kind of odds, but Joshua had learned from Moses that even though Moses had leaned on the flesh in a number of past miracles, such as holding up his hands in the battle, God could have stopped the sun. God could have stopped the sun for Moses also, and yet this was the first time someone had asked such a favor, asking for God to literally stop the universe. Can I tell you? There's some tall ones in our community today. There are some tall spirits, some tall attitudes, some tall things that want to take down the church of the living God. Tall things that want to rob our peace. Come on, help me now. Tall things that want to rip into our community called the church. Tall things that want to take us from elevation to the valley of despair. Tall things that want to take away our comfort of knowing that God is for us. And tall things that will destroy the strength that we have in the church. But with the help and the grace of God. I stand (laughs) as a pastor today. I stand as a minister of the gospel tonight. And I tell you that God is going to have a church of peace. A church that will still be elevated. A church that will still have community. A church where people can still find comfort. And a church when people walk out of can still have the strength of God in their life. We will battle the tall ones. We'll battle the tall ones. Now, let me, let me talk a little. It's amazing what we could have if we asked for it. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. But he that asks receives. And he that seeks finds. And he that knocks, it shall be open to you. He was referring to an earthly father given bread, not a stone when asked, or a fish, not a serpent when requested, or an egg, not a scorpion when needed. How much more will the heavenly father give to his children? Everybody say, Pastor, my father in heaven wants me to have peace, and I will have peace in my life. Pastor, my father in heaven wants me to be a part of a community 
And I will be a part of a community because he wants me to be in it. Pastor, my father in heaven wants to lift me up from the side roads and the valleys of despair and give me an elevation in my life and lift me up above the shadows and plant my feet on solid ground. My God wants me to climb every mountain and ford every stream and follow every rainbow till I find my dream. That's the father that I'm talking about. I've got a God that doesn't want me to live in the lowlands, but he wants me to live in the elevated place where he desires us all to live. Can you clap your hands for that right now? He said in the book of Isaiah, as a mother comforts her children, so will I comfort you. He said, I'll be a motherly God to you. A motherly God to you. I went to see the shack the other day. It was so precious. In fact, I have have to tell you this, folks. I have to tell you this. It was spring break, and I told the staff, I said, guys, y'all want to go see a movie? And they said, what? And I said, let's go see the shack. I've never read the book. And so we went to see the shack, and it blew me away. And uh, I, uh, I was moved and touched by it. And everything that I saw there witnessed in, mir- witnessed in my spirit how much God wants to help his children. There's no God like our God. There's no rock like our rock. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. Everybody say, God God. will even be like a mother to me and comfort me. That's the God I serve. Everybody say, my father father is a father father that wants to give me strength. strength. That's what the tall ones want to take from the church today. Turn to your neighbor and say, not in my lifetime. Now, I'm going I'm to preach a little bit right now. I'm going to fire up just a little, then I'm going to shut up. But I'm passionate about what I'm about to say. You listen to this, Pastor. I'm passionate about this. We need some two-day warriors in a one-day world. We need people in the house of God that don't mind climbing hills at night, going from Gilgal to Gibeon, And getting ready to fight the war of our life. We need that in our life. And you know, I'm not not about warring. I'm I'm a dove preacher. But I'm telling you, we need some people with a strength inside of us. That we can walk uphill for 4,000 feet all night long and get ready to fight the tall ones. Get get, Get in our cars on Sunday morning. Come to the house of the Lord and worship a God. That wants to elevate us, wants to give us peace, wants to give us joy, wants to give us community. We need to have two-day warriors in a one-day world. We need people that say, Lord, I'm not going to quit this battle until I step in. My mother used to tell me, said, son, you know when I'm going to quit fighting the devil? When I step into the gates of heaven and hear them click behind my heels, that's when I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to fight every way of of, of my walk with God. I'm going to make this journey work. Because I'm going to go to heaven with him. I believe that. Everybody say two-day warriors. In a one-day world. 
We need some people that'll stand. So Joshua caught the spiritual side of Moses mentoring and that's why he said we can take the land. The giants are there, he told the Israelites, but so is God. Sin is there, but so is God. Problems are there, but so is God. And he and Caleb were the only two that stood against three million people, yet he stood in the affirmation of the Almighty God. Joshua just had this faith thing, this total trust in God, and he spoke it, son, stand still. I had a precious little lady used to go to church here, and she died, and she was, she was a heroine of mine. She was, she was awesome. Patty loved her. I loved her. Her daughter was one of my first secretaries here at this church. Her husband was a, an Assembly of God pastor, and, and uh, he died earlier in life. And, and, and this little lady came to me. She always called her my almond joy. She always brought me almonds. And she said, Pastor, if you'll eat nine of these a day, uh, a day you'll never have a cholesterol problem. <laughs> I said, okay. So I ate 27. <laughs> I sure didn't want a cholesterol problem. So, so she came to me one day. She said, can I talk to you? She was so precious. She, she was, I, I called her Hulda. There's a, there's a woman in the Bible named Hulda that that was the clothes changer in the temple in the house of God. She changed the clothes of the priest. When the priest would slay the lamb and get all bloody slaying the lamb at the brazen altar and they'd walk in, she'd have the robe and the ministry garments for him to wear to go into the place of holy, holy of holies. And she changed their garments. She kept the wardrobe in the house of God. So she always dressed a preacher up, a priest up. She never dressed him down. And, and, and Marge was that kind of woman. She never... She never came to accuse a pastor or talk down to a pastor. She always praised the leadership and praised the church. And she always lifted people. I love people that just know how to lift people. I called her Hulda. And so she came to me one day. She said, Pastor, I, you know, I, uh, I got one fear. And I said, what's that? She said, well, I'm afraid of dying in the dark. I'm not afraid of dying, just dying in the dark. She said, would you pray for me? And she held her hands. I said, would you pray for me? I, I think Patty was close by. I said, would you pray for me? I don't want to die in the night. And I said, Marge, I'll pray for you. I never had a prayer like that in my life. Lord, when this woman dies, don't let it be dark. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not an easy prayer to pray. So wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? We got a call at 2.30 in the morning. My wife and I did, and we got up. I told her family, I said, don't you, don't you let her die without me being there. I knew she was going. She was in hospice, and they called us. And the time we got there is about 3.15, 3.30. We hurried because we didn't want to miss the grand entrance into heaven with her life. And when I got there, she was unconscious, and she had not, she had not been lucid for a long time. And so we just kind of hung around and I went over and I patted her cheek and we always, we always had fun with each other. She was such a dear lady, old enough to be my mother, but what a lady. I said, sit to Marge, I'm here, hon, I'm here. And I think she knew it. I think she recognized it, but we stayed there and, and, and I said, Lord, let, let, let the sun come up, please. Let the sun come up, please. And at 4.30 rolled around, she's still alive. 5.30 rolled around. 
She's still alive. And the sun was supposed to come up about six or so that morning and I was hoping it'd be 5.30. And, and, and all of a sudden, I went over to the window and I just cracked the window and I saw the sun rise. I saw it and she's still alive. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I said, Marge, Sister Marge. I got excited. I said, Sister Marge, the sun's coming up. The night is gone. The sun's here. Daylight is dawning. And she came too. She said, great. (laughs) Great. And she smiled and she looked at all of us and just grinned real big, went back to sleep and went home to be with Jesus. Now, now, this is the part that some of you are going to have problems with. Oh, you believe Joshua 10, but you can't believe what I'm about to tell you. I got in the car that morning a little before 11 o'clock and I turned on KLBJ. I was coming to the church and Patty and I stayed and I, I, turned, the, I turned the radio on. I'm about to weep here. I turned the radio on and I heard this meteorologist say, folks, we've had a phenomenon in Austin today and in Texas. Said so we all predicted the sun was going to come up at a particular time, but wouldn't you know it, we was five minutes late. The sun come up five minutes earlier than what we had predicted. Amen. And I'm sitting there in the car, and when I got to church, it was a Wednesday night. When I got to church, people walked up and said, Pastor, did you hear the news today? The sun came up earlier today than what they said it was going to come up. I said, that's my God. <laughs> because if I can preach about a two-day man in a one-day world saying, sun, stand still. Why can't I believe that God can let the sun come up one five-minute day early? Because I believe in the same God that Joshua believed in. Somebody help me. We need a little daylight, Lord. We're gonna finish this mission in Jesus' name. People are gonna be saved. People are gonna be changed. People are gonna be blessed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Mm. Mm. By the way, that's in my book. I'll go to heaven on that one. When God stops the universe for a man, it's the kind of statement from God that says, that man's found favor in me. He was, I'm on his side and I'd be for him. Because this man is going to finish what he started. Thank you, Lord. Now let, 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 me, let me come to a close. I'm not, I'm not far from finishing here. Let me come to a close. I, uh, I got to reading. Now this, this gets pretty bloody, but I'm not going to be bloody. Mine's going to be the G version. But Joshua 10, go home and read. It gets pretty bloody because it's after these kings were trapped in the cave and Joshua put, said, put your foot on their neck and then they, they hung them. They wasn't going to just kill them just out. They're going to, they're going to make sure they're dead because we're tired of peace being taken away. We're tired of elevation. being. T- we're tired of community being challenged. We're tired of these things and said, we're going to have victory over this. And then it was after then that he said, would, would you, would son, would you stand still? Moon or the Valley of Agilon, would you, would you hold your peace? And planets, would you just stop where you are? And God, God honored that request because here's what Joshua did. You're talking about two days of fighting. He went to every city that those kings represented and conquered every one of those cities. Every one of them. And there was little mini kings in the cities as well as the big king in the city. And he conquered all the little kings and took them out. 
And, and all those cities became property of the children of Israel. So what God is saying is that I don't want, I don't want to pastor and, and be the God of people who are constantly fighting to have peace in their life. I want you to go ahead and conquer that. I don't want a pastor of people that are constantly fighting to have community. Why don't we just go ahead and win the community war? God has given us a church and given us a peace and given us a tranquility in this house that we can absolutely conquer the things that God wants us to conquer. He's turned the light on in, in this world. He's turned the light on in this church. And I will tell you this, this is a preaching point in South Austin. And people are going to come to this congregation not because that we are just so-and-so and so-and-so goes here, but there is a spirit of unity in this house, a spirit of community in this house, a spirit of peace in this house, a spirit that elevates people in this house, a spirit that blesses people in this house, and a spirit that strengthens people in this house. That's why we must stay the fight and we must hang in here because there's nothing greater than a church that has those five qualities in it. Some people in this Wednesday night Bible study need to get a grip on that kind of faith. Everybody say, God's for me. God loves me. He's with me. He's with my friend. Amen. God is my help. He's my fortress. He's my strength. He's my resource. That's settled. You know, every now and then you just got to have a settling place. And, I, and I'm closing with this. Brother Kirk, help me. I'm, I'm closing with this. Don't play yet. Just come up here and act like you are. Because <laughs> I may not be through. I, I may just be on a downwind leg right now. <laughs> and I may want to take it around one more time. But you know why David could face Goliath? He had a place one day to settle the score before he ever fought the giant. See, the lion that he killed, history says, was not just a little old scrawny lion. It was a lion that, that came from Africa. And from the tip of his nose to the tip of his tail, he was nine feet six inches tall. And the bear that he slew was from Asia. It's history. I learned this in seminary. <laughs> Those Asian bears stand in full stature are nine feet six inches tall. So when he saw a man with a spear in his hand that was nine six, he said, oh, I've met you before. You growled and you roared and I used my bare hands. And I refuse to allow you to take me out because I've settled. I've settled it. Here's what I'm teaching tonight. Somewhere in your life in this two-day event, somewhere in your life, these 2,000 years, this two days that God has given us, somewhere in our life, we're going to have to come to a settling place. A place where we say, you know what? No matter what comes, this is my course of action. This is where I am. This is what I'm going to be. Elijah had a place called there. He said, go there, Elijah, and I will feed you. 
Go there, Elijah, and I will bless you. Go there. We need a settling place and a place called there that we just say, you know what? No matter what happens in my, in my future, I am there with God. I am there. Can you say that? I am there. I'm just there. Pastor, you can count on me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk out because somebody don't speak to me. I'm not going to walk out because somebody just says, well, how are you? And walks by. I'm not, I'm not going to leave because somebody hurts my feelings. I've got a better grip on God than that. We need some two day warriors in a one day world. It's a journey folks. It's a journey. So I, I close tonight. Things may not be working out right now, but God's for me. Maybe trouble with the family now, but God's for me. I may be in debt now, but God is for me. He just needs you to say, pay your bills. I don't have all the answers, but this much I know, God is for me. God is for me. And we are living in a day like none before and none after because this is the generation that's going to see the coming of Jesus Christ. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. A day like none ever. Amen. Amen. Can you, put the, can you put the slide back up? Jerusalem, peace. Can you put that slide back up? Can you do it for me? Thank you. All right. All right. Where's the last one? There it is. Thank you. Everybody say peace. peace. Everybody say community. community. Everybody say elevate. elevate. Everybody say comfort. Everybody say strength. strength. That's, what you're, that's what you're feeling right here in this church. Is it, worth, is it worth praising God over? Is it worth magnifying the Lord over? Is it worth giving God the praise over? Come on. Stand to your feet all over the house and clap your hands real big and thank God for the word tonight. Would you do that? Clap your hands real big and thank God for the word tonight. His word's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank God for the word tonight. The word, the word, the word, the word. Amen. Peace, community, elevation, comfort, and strength. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, you, know why, you know why I love church so much? Because this church, this church, you people, you spoil me rotten. You come in your scrubs and you come straight from work and you make excuses for that. And I say, no, don't make excuses for that. There's pastors that give these arms to have people that would walk right out of the office and come to the house of God on Wednesday night. Thank you for that. And you spoil me. But as long as there's breath in my body, I'm going to be a two-day warrior for you. We're going to see this thing to completion. Everybody say, God, you're going to give us that new building. You're going to give us that new place. You're going to give us a new face so that we can have more people find Jesus at one time. Isn't it going to be wonderful one day to have 1,600 people all around you praising God at the same time? Isn't that going to be wonderful? Hey, I promise you this. I promise you this. As long as, as, long as I'm pastor of this church, I promise you. And, and when I'm done pastoring, you're not going to run me off either. I'm going to still be here. As long as they let me stand at that front door, I'm going to do it. 
but I'm not near there. I feel so good in my spirit. I feel challenged by this new adventure we're going on. I'm challenged. I feel a challenge in my heart, and we're going to see it accomplished in Jesus' name. Reach over and take somebody by the hand, just brother to brother, not all the way across, just one person to one person, just one person to one person. That's good. That's good. You don't have to go all the way across. Amen. Sunday morning, Sunday morning, precious couple came down to me in second service when everybody was raising their hands. They was in the balcony. They took a picture, and we're going to show it. We're going to show it to you on Sunday. We're going to show you that picture of the unity and the unifiedness of this church and how that everyone had their hands in the air thanking God because God is God's going to bless us. God's helping us. God's giving us strength. So I want you to bow your heads now. Let me bless you in the name of the Lord. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people that count Wednesday night as one of their tremendous nights, Lord. A night of worship, a night of word, a night of thanksgiving, a night of praise. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all the new folks. Thank you for every young couple, every middle-aged couple, every elderly couple, every child that walks in these doors, every baby that's born. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have given us. We stand in awe. We stand in awe today at the goodness and the mercy of Almighty God. Now bless this people and let us, Lord, become two-day warriors. Lord, let us stand strong in the last of these days. Let us stand strong, God, because the light is still burning in the church and the Holy Ghost is still real in our lives and you're still for us and Jesus the cross still works. Hallelujah. Thank you for it. Now bring us back Sunday morning at the appointed time. Let many folks find salvation on Sunday. Let many folks find Jesus on Sunday. Let it be a great, great day of salvation for us. For it's in the name of the Lord we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Everybody said amen. amen.